Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Each week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Today, we're continuing in our series called Conversations with God, where we'll be hearing stories about the various ways that prayer has impacted people in their pursuit of life in Christ. Prayer looks different for all of us because life in Christ involves relationship with Christ, and every relationship is unique. As you listen to these episodes, I hope that you're both encouraged by the stories that you hear and also inspired as you consider your own prayer relationship with Jesus. Today, I'm chatting with David Harrop, who joined the Calvary Church staff as pastor of Global Ministries just a few months ago in December of 2021. David and his wife, Mary, come to us with years of missions and ministry experience, both overseas and stateside. I've personally really enjoyed the conversations I've had with David over these past few months, and I think you're going to enjoy getting to know him as well. I don't want to give anything else away, so let's jump right into my conversation with David Harrop. David, welcome to Pursuing Life and to Calvary Church. <laughs> hey, well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. It really is. Yeah, we're really glad to have you as our new pastor of Global Ministries. Mm-hmm. I know that we have talked on occasion, but I'm getting to know you just like our listeners are getting to know you. So thanks for taking some time to to introduce yourself and talk to us a little bit today. Well, I hope you know it's my privilege to be here at Calvary and to understand I'm with a church that has a heart for missions and has for you know decades. Yeah been reaching the world for Jesus Christ and being involved in what God is doing through them to reach the world. Absolutely. And we're so glad to have you. I want to just start with you and your family. Tell us a little bit about your background, who your family is, just that kind of general get to know you type of stuff. Sure. I met my wife in college. So I have one wife. Her name is Mary. (laughs) And we were both interested in missions. And so we're involved in a student missions group. And the Lord led us together from just a few years of being in that group and, and praying for the world and understanding that God had called us to go overseas. We got married and then both went to seminary in Columbia, South Carolina, and studied missions even more thoroughly, and then went into pastoral ministry instead Mm -hmm. of missions, but that was part of how God led us to work in a local church for several years. And while we were there, we had our first daughter, Kate, who is uh, now married and has wonderful husband and our first granddaughter and they live in Canada. Okay. So we're excited about that. And I can tell you forever things about my little granddaughter, Sylvie, (laughs) but, um, and then our other daughter was born after we were overseas and her name is Lizzie and she was born when we were in France. Okay. Um, so we have grown children that are out of the house now and yeah, God has just really kept us through the ups and downs of living in three different other countries. And at one time we were separated. We we're on three different continents. And so, wow. yeah, that's, it's a quite a long story, there. but <laughs> God has certainly brought us through a lot of things to bring us here to Calvary. 
Yeah. And so you said three countries. One of those was France. What were the other two? So we were in France for eight years and then Germany for eight years where I did different kind of ministry there, of course, than in France. And Mm -hmm. then we were in Tunisia in North Africa. Wow. And trying to help start a church there. Okay. And what work did you do briefly in each of those countries? Sure. France was also church starting. We were involved in a small church plant with French believers. Okay. And then in Germany, it was an already established international church, so okay. English-speaking international church that met in a the auditorium of a Christian school, Black okay. Forest Academy. Okay. And it was really exciting. My favorite thing about that, I just have to tell you, was that it was a church of about 600 people and 300 of them were under the age of 18. No and so way. when you're meeting in a Christian school, you get a lot of younger people. And so it was a really exciting vibrant church that God taught me a lot about the next generation and my hope and prayer for them to reach the world for Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. It was an amazing place. You don't hear that very often. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But it was great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, what year then did you move back stateside? So we came in 2015 and I was missions pastor at a church in North Carolina, Okay, a, a church that in many ways is like Calvary grew up around missions and from its inception had a real heart for reaching the world. Yeah. And you had a connection with Lancaster. Can you tell us about that and your connection with Calvary even before you came on staff here? There are so many little connections along (laughs) the way. And one of my big connections was when I was in seminary, I was on staff at a church in Columbia, South Carolina, and I'm the answer to the trivia question who was Johnny Miller's pastor before he came to Calvary? <laughs> oh my goodness. So he and Jeannie were in our small group and we really got to know them well. And then they left and came to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And uh, then that was shortly thereafter that we went overseas. So uh, that was a first connection. We knew Dave Hall from our time overseas. And he, of course, he was Calvary's missions pastor for a while. We taught for one year at Lancaster Bible College, and so knew lots of people that attended here. There's just many, many connections. I could probably talk for 10 minutes about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when you heard about the position at Calvary, this was not a new place for you. You already were familiar. Well, interestingly, we'd never attended church here. Okay. So when we were in the area, we had other supporting churches here in Lancaster County, and so I hadn't attended church here. But no, I knew a lot about Calvary. Mm Mm-hmm and did know quite a few people that were here. So yeah, some ways a new place, but in some ways something comfortable that we knew about. Yeah, there was some familiarity there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what drew you here and Mm. how you ended up here. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest draw here, well, it would probably be two things. One would be the fact that there is this great group of people that meet in an ABF called Converge Mm -hmm. and that meet on Tuesday nights in C4. And so looking at that age group person, that there's these people 18 to 30 years old that are excited about coming and learning about God and that are looking at what God is going to do through them and, and how they'll be influencers in the world. To me, that's really exciting. And that harkens back to what I said about Germany, mm-hmm. uh, catching the, the vision that this generation could reach the world and yeah. that, you know they have that great potential. 
and wanting to pour into that and wanting to be a part of mentoring and helping and coaching and mobilizing that generation to, to reach out. So that was probably the most exciting thing. And then there's just something about where Calvary is right now, that they're poised for change, mm. that they're realizing the face of missions is, is in transition. There's a lot of growing pains that are taking place and that we're ready to step into that and see what's next, I think has been really exciting because face it, we're a church that's been doing things the same way for quite a while and mm-hmm. we're used to that. But to hear the elders say and to hear the staff say that they recognize there's this need for change and that part of why I was asked to come was to help coach and lead us through this change. I think those two were the big exciting factors that brought us here. God did lots of other things to open the door. I'm sure. But those were the real draws to coming here. Yeah. So we heard about it through, you asked that question too. We heard about it through uh, my mentor, a guy by the name of George Murray, who interestingly succeeded Johnny Miller as president of Columbia Bible College and Mm -hmm. Seminary. And him being my mentor, he knew about Calvary and the needs. And it was really him bringing the two together. I think he talked to people like maybe Bo Eckert, or I'm not sure who. (laughs) But you know, he made that connection for me. And it was really his counsel that this was a great fit for who I was. And he is a man I so respect. And when he saw that, and knew Calvary really well from having been here many times. I, I was w- wide open to the possibility then. Yeah. yeah, it's it's the evidence that it's important to have people in our lives who know us really well, yes. who can help to point us in the right direction and walk alongside of us on our journey. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And I just want to emphasize, no matter what age you are, it's mm-hmm. something that you need. I'm a little older than you, Monica. <laughs> just and a little. So, yeah. And so it's something that I think we have to have on a continuing basis throughout our lives. It's not something we file away and right. then when we're 30, we don't need it anymore. Right. And yeah. that that's a huge encouragement encouragement, I think, to my generation of it doesn't just stop when we hit 30 or 35. We need to keep seeking that out in different seasons of life. Mm -hmm. And you look in the scriptures and there's there's all kinds of examples of that. You don't stop being a Paul to a Timothy just because he gets to a certain age. You know, you keep going. And Paul writes letters right up until the time he's imprisoned and dies. And so it's a continuing part of my heart for what God has called me to do. And it's something I love about the ministry here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you for that. Hmm. If I can go on record saying yeah. that. Oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And like you said, you still don't know me well, but sure. you know, as we, I hope that that's something that marks my, my ministry life here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So you talked a lot about a change that's happening in missions. Can yeah. you elaborate a little bit on that? What that change is? Sure. The uh, simple way to say it is it used to be from the West to the rest. Okay. So North America, Canada, and U.S. were the big leaders in sending missionaries, uh, England and Germany to a lesser extent, but we were reaching the mission field. Well, Mm -hmm. now those countries that we used to call the mission field are sending just as many missionaries as the United States. And Mm -hmm. so Nigeria, Brazil, Korea are among the leaders in a number of missionaries being sent. And so somehow because of who they are and the fact that they don't have the same geopolitical problems that Americans have when we go to certain countries in the world, their mission force is going into the unreached people groups and the difficult places. And so one of the key factors is the U.S. mission base, the churches like Calvary, the mission agencies that we've been partnering with, 
we have to learn new methods to connect with those majority world countries, the Mm -hmm. Southern Hemisphere countries for the most part, that are actually growing and expanding and getting a missions vision. And so it is brand new for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we we've been the ones who are come with the information and the methodologies and all those things. And now we have to come as learners and say, you know, what is it that you need that we might be able to help with? What is it you don't need that we thought you needed? And, and to really be able to come as equal partners with these mission sending agencies coming out of other countries. And it, it really is both a challenge, but it is so exciting to see this happening that, um, we are able to be a part of that. If we will just open ourselves to the idea that this is the, the way that God is saying, we have something to contribute to this. We, mm-hmm. And not just our money and our, our leadership and those kind of things, but we can go as learners and find what needs to happen and be willing to work alongside, hand in hand with these other partner places, countries. Yeah, wow. It, it's really... I. I've read tons of books about it. I've experienced <laughs> it firsthand. Yeah. Working in North Africa, my closest associate was a Congolese pastor. Wow. And um, to work with him and to understand, you know, how he was seeing the situation, his nuances and what he saw were so different than mine. Mm-hmm. And yet God complemented the work by us working together. And yeah, story after story. But this is where we're going as a church. It's not just us going and starting the work. It's finding how we can partner with others and collaborate. Yeah, that's really exciting. It is an exciting time in mission history. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of discussion, I'm sure, that has been happening with you transitioning into this role, with the transition that's happening around the world and in Mm. the church. Um, Yeah, yeah, how do we move forward? And so you get to be a part of those conversations. Yeah, and what is, I'll just add one more excitement. Yes, Um, please. What's really cool is the elders were reading books about this and reading on the subject long before I got here. Mm. And so it's not, oh, this is a new idea or a new paradigm. It's that the leadership of Calvary Church understands there is a change taking place and, yeah. and we need to get on board with what God is doing, just like we've done throughout the centuries and where we sent people and how they ministered and when they started churches. And there were certain periods of time that we can look back on and say, these were our emphases at, at the, those periods of time. And now there's this fresh idea of getting involved with existing works and, and national ministries that are already taking place. Wow. So you mentioned a lot of books. Yeah. Is there one that you've read recently that you've really liked that you would recommend? That might be a hard question. <laughs> so I probably would say, can I go to? Sure, I absolutely. Say, okay, so Western Christians in Global Missions by Paul Borthwick okay. is, is one that I would love everybody at Calvary Church to read. Okay. Because it does a great job. It's maybe 10, 12 years old, but it's a, a great job of saying, here's the the change that is happening and mm-hmm. the shift that's taking place. And it's fairly readable. It's not a, you know, a textbook from university or that kind of book. Uh, it, it's a comfortable read for most people. Okay. And then there's one, it's called Western Christians and the Unfinished Task. Okay. And the last name of the author is Young. Okay. And that's another one that really gives a, a brief synopsis of the changes taking place and how we as a Western church, capital C, mm-hmm. uh, need to look at the changes that are taking place. Okay. Yeah. 
I hope that some of our listeners will write those down and yes. they'll read them. <laughs> and maybe I can get like the Amazon uh, site for it and sure. if, they, if they really want to know precision about the books. Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. can even see if we have them in the church library That's as well. True. They could yeah. go check them out. Uh, or I can make sure we get them in <laughs> yeah, the church library. Yeah, you could. There you yeah. go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Idea. Put in a good word. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, okay, backing up just a little bit. You said that you and your wife met in college yep. and you both had similar hearts for going overseas. Tell me, was there a time, was it in college or were there things growing up that were influencing you towards global missions? Tell me a little bit about that. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Okay. I, I became a believer when I was 23. So there was really very little about my upbringing. Okay. Although we did move a bit. And so that in some ways prepared me to, for the rootlessness that you have sometimes as a missionary. Mm -hmm. But when I became a believer, I was convinced that the world needed to hear the message that I was beginning to understand of mm. Jesus and his love, what grace meant that we didn't have to work our way to salvation. And so I was convinced I was going to be in pastoral ministry because that's what I knew. And my pastor then was doing a great job of discipling me. And so I went off to a Bible college to, to find out a little bit about how to be in pastoral ministry and thought it was so cool right. that you could study the Bible yeah. and get a degree and all those things. And so it was really the first semester in college that I went to a missions conference and by the way, I went kind of with my heels digging in a little bit because I thought, you know, I'm going to be a pastor. I don't really need to go to a missions conference. <laughs> and the speaker gave a great challenge for the world, and I was really interested in that. But I remember him saying, uh, some of you are going to be nurses, so why not consider being a nurse on the mission field? Some of you are going to be administrators and, and leaders in business. Why not think about your business overseas and using those talents overseas. And some of you are thinking about being pastors. Why not think about being a pastor overseas? And it was as if at that moment, I thought, you know, my family ties aren't holding me here in the U.S. My um, willingness to go is there. And so maybe what I should do is just seek the Lord and see if he would have me uh, use what he put on my heart uh, in the, the places of the world that were less lit by the gospel light. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, I began praying about it, and I would say within that year, uh, really said to the Lord, yes, I'm, I'm willing to go, maybe quoting Isaiah because it was cool. Here I am, send me or something. <laughs> yep. But uh, really remember journaling uh, from this day forward. Uh, I'll be a missionary if mm. that's what you would like me to be, Lord. And so just being open to how God might use me and began praying. We were in prayer groups in college, praying for the needs of the world. We really got specific, you know, it was a prayer group for Europe or a prayer group for Africa. Or, and it, so it wasn't like we got together and prayed for each other as much as it was. Let's let's learn about how we can pray for the world and the yeah. things that need to um, happen for the gospel to penetrate. Yeah. So how did you know where to go first? You know, you're asking probably the question that I don't have the answer to. <laughs> Sometimes we don't. <laughs> um, I how did I know where to go? So what I did was I consulted a lot of people, mm -hmm. people that had been on the mission field or that knew missions passionately. And the fact that my wife had a Catholic upbringing, the fact that, and this is, might be a surprise to people, but I grew up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And so wow. we looked at how maybe those backgrounds and the fact that I'd walked away from that and sort of called myself a secular agnostic for a while. Hmm. Uh, where in the world can we 
use these things for spreading the gospel. And so it, sort of Catholic Western Europe became the, the convergence of those. And we really just settled on a mission agency and said, you know, we're really comfortable with this group of people and the way they do things. And then we submitted to their leadership and we were open to let them tell us what to do and where to go. It's how we ended up in different places. <laughs> sure. But um, France just was a real connect for all those things. There was the Catholic background that's a part of their history. The cults were on the move and mm. growing. And then there was the sense that even the Muslim world, when people left Islam to become followers of Jesus, they left behind family. And mm. I had experienced that in, uh, in my testimony as well. And so to have all those things, it just seemed like the perfect convergence of, of how God had wired us, what he'd put into Mary and to me to get us ready for ministry and, and just our life experiences brought that all together. Yeah, it was like the perfect convergence. Yeah, it really was. And, yeah. and you know, who knew right. you know, that that's how God would use us? But it was an exciting thing to see God at work to bring that all about. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about growing up in a family of Jehovah's Witnesses? And tell me a little bit about that part of your testimony and sure. that influence and how you heard about the gospel. So we were really diehard JWs. We, I grew up about an hour east of Lancaster County in, in uh, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Okay. My parents were so committed that when I was in elementary school, we moved out to Ohio to a place where there wasn't what they call a kingdom hall. And they were there to help start a new kingdom hall, a new wow. church. I used to jokingly say I learned church planting from my dad. <laughs> but we were really committed, engaged, and it was... In my high school years, when I saw a lot of things that just didn't line up with Scripture and the Bible, and I was probably a little bit rebellious, and mm. I saw prophecies that they had said, like the world was going to end in 1975, and oh, wow. all those things that didn't happen. And so right. I lost confidence in them as an organization, and I walked totally away from anything religious at all because I... Well, for one thing, I thought if they paint a picture of how God really is, no one can ever really live up to that. So I didn't understand grace. I didn't understand scripture really well. I just had a basic shallow knowledge of some uh, Bible verses, not even Bible truth. Mm. And so it was really the testimony of a friend who, when I was in the work workplace, he turned his life around. He gave himself to the Lord, and I saw a guy who had been an alcoholic coming to work drunk often and suddenly he's praying for me and reading bible verses and there's just such a transformation in his life mm. in ways that I had never seen before and so that testimony of his changed life got me interested and then he finally wrangled me into coming to church with him and I heard the gospel really presented for the first time that Jesus had died for us, that he accepted us and loved us, and that his grace was sufficient. Mm. And I really couldn't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> It was just so simple and so easy. But um, then knowing that that truth is probably what sustained us through many, many years of uh, ministry life. And yeah, God's just held on to us with that. Mm. Praise the Lord. Yeah, there's a lot more to it, but it's a whole nother podcast. Sure. Oh, well, maybe we can have that conversation <laughs> that another would be time. Great. Yeah, that would be. Yes. So. Uh, but what power there is in 
you never know who's going to be watching you and how your actions can influence other people. Exactly. Just like your coworker influenced you. Yeah. And so it's not that Christianity is about works, but right? that work of transforming life and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us is a great witness in the world. You know, we're no longer live for ourselves, but we live for Christ, mm -hmm. like Second Corinthians says. And so the idea that we see other people differently, that we really care about them and their needs is what I saw in my friend. Mm. And he just totally transformed from being an egocentric, self, selfish person to being a selfless giver of God's truth. Yeah. So yeah. not the work that we do, but the work that Christ is doing in exactly. us is what matters. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I can't wait to hear more of that story. Well, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to transition here for the sake of time. And I know that you're going to be preaching coming up this Sunday on prayer. Yep. And I was told that you really wanted to preach on this topic. Tell me why. Okay. So I was excited about it in a good way and in a bad way. Okay. Okay. So the excitement in the bad way, I'll start with that. There is just so much on prayer yeah. and we carry so much weight, you know, pray at all times, persevere in prayer, bring all your requests to God, pray for all those kings and people in authority. And, you know, there's all these superlatives that we have when it comes to prayer. Mm -hmm. And so we, we sort of carry this burden of, of, wow, I can never live up to that. I can never really do uh, all that I'm supposed to do, the greatest prayer warriors that you know still want to pray more. Mm -hmm. And so there's that n negative energy that comes with prayer. And so right. I was a little excited, but in a hesitant way about <laughs> sure. that. And then I'm really excited in what I'll call the positive way or the, the other side of that is I believe God wants us to pray so that we talk to him like we talk to a friend. Mm. And to me, prayer is not bringing our shopping list to God. It's not a formulaic way of praying and, you know, making sure that our faith is all, you know, kind of amped up enough so that we get what we're asking for in prayer. It's just about being with our Father in heaven. And so don't want to steal the ending of the message. This week, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but the idea is, you know, it's about just making that next step of drawing closer to relationship with our Father mm -hmm. who loves us so much. And who, through Jesus' word, says, I'll never cast you out. I'll never turn aside from you. No matter what our past sins are, no matter what our present sins are, Jesus still wants us in that intimate relationship with him, um, walking with him, connecting with us as a friend. And for me, that encapsulates what prayer is. And that's what really got me excited about saying, yes, I'll, I'll talk about prayer, even even with all the things that kind of drag us down about prayer, yep. there is this real excitement I have about being able to communicate a God of love who wants to communicate with us. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to opening up God's word with you and learning more about that. I think mm -hmm. what I have noticed in my own life is sometimes prayer feels a little over-formulized mm -hmm. and it it holds me back from that relational aspect. And I wonder how many other people are feeling the same way. So wow. to be able to really camp on that relational aspect, I'm looking forward to doing that. That's exactly where I'm coming from. So maybe I can interview you Sunday. What do you think? Oh, we'll see. I mean, I'm not an expert by any means. But that's, that's exactly where I think we need to go with, with prayer. It's as if we're getting relationship counseling. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, uh, make sure you pray, our Father in heaven, thy, right. thy will be done, thy kingdom come. You know, it's more, 
make sure that you touch base with him as your loving heavenly father and, mm. and walk with him. Yeah. So. Oh, that's beautiful. So as you kind of look back over your life and the things that you have learned about prayer through scripture, through your own experiences, tell me what some of those influences were, whether they're things that you experienced or people that you encountered along the way, what has influenced your prayer life? So there was a very, very difficult and dry time in my spiritual life when we were first ministering in France and I had just made it through language school, and yeah, it was just very difficult. We were in a place where there were just a few believers that were meeting, and I didn't have a great grasp of the language, mm. and I felt like a lot of my day-to-day -day was the grammar of French and trying to learn how to speak well, and I was drying up spiritually. Mm. And in a conversation, we were on a short summer home assignment with our sending church, and one of the men of the church that I greatly respect, he's now in his 80s and still we talk every few weeks. Wow. He said, here's something that I've done that's really helped my prayer life. He said, I open the Gospels and I read the Gospel story until I have a great picture of Jesus. Mm. And then I pray with that picture of Jesus in mind. Mm. And, you know, so he gave the example, like if Jesus welcomes the little children, you know, then that's he's isn't it nice to be on Jesus lap. And so I thought, wow, that's that's really great. But man, there's just so much going on in my life. I don't I don't think Jesus really understands. Hmm. And so I will never forget with that thought in my mind, I said, well, I'll give it a try. And I was in my Bible reading and I was at in Luke 24 and it's the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they're walking along, and Jesus comes alongside them, and Jesus says, you know, what are you talking about? And they say these words, I'm going to paraphrase. Okay. They say, are you the only guy who doesn't understand what's going on? <laughs> and like to, that they say to the God of the universe, who's God made flesh, you know, that they say, you don't understand what's going on to the only one who really understands yep. what's going on. That just hit my prayer life at that moment with exactly what I needed. I realized, wow, that's exactly what I'm saying to God. You don't understand. You don't know what's going on in my life. Mm. And that freedom that the scriptures give us, the Psalms of Lament that uh, Steve talked about a few weeks, Steve Kilgore mm -hmm. talked about a few weeks ago, that give us the freedom to talk to God like that. Yeah. It was a revolutionary moment in my prayer life. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was seeing Jesus in a way that he wanted me to see God the Father. Yeah. You know, the scriptures say he came to reveal the Father to us. And so, I began to understand that's exactly uh, how God was welcoming me. It mm. wasn't he wasn't disappointed in me. He wasn't pushing me away. That's how he wanted me to be, was real before him. So that, what did that look like practically? How did that change the way that you were praying? It has, it's been 20 some years and it's still a habit of mine to always see Jesus before I pray. Mm. And so if I don't have a good mental picture, I will open the gospels and, and read stories. And so until I come to the place where no matter what it is, where he's giving parables and I can say, oh, thank you, Lord, for making it simple so that we can understand. Or even when he's saying, woe to you, Pharisees and hypocrites, I'm realizing he wants to transform their lives with that confrontational way. 
it's his expression of love to be direct. And no matter what it is that I read in the Gospels, I, I now just say, wow, how wonderful that Jesus is meeting us in that way. And then the scriptures say he ever lives to intercede for us. Yeah. And so that's the person that's begging the Father for us on our behalf mm. to, to connect with us and, and we connect with him. And it's Jesus' mission now that he's ascended and, and before the Father. And so uh, we have that privilege of knowing that we have that advocate, as mm. Jesus is called in Scripture, that is pleading on our behalf alongside the Father who loves us. So that one, that one person who gave you that example changed the rest of your prayer life. You really did. And so <clears throat> you'll hear me this Sunday when I pray there'll be a little pause before I pray. Mm. And it is that moment when I'm seeking, Jesus, how do you want me to see you right now? And I, I'm imagining that for all three services, it'll be a little different glimpse of Jesus. Sure. But I love that. And it really has made God approachable for me. It has made him more loving. And no, he's already very loving. <laughs> <laughs> it has made his love shine through into my heart and life in ways that I think I was blocking. Sure. Uh, that I had kept Jesus at arm's length and kept God away from me. And uh, now I realize he wants me to understand that he knows everything about me and mm. loves me dearly. Were there aspects of your upbringing that influenced your prayer life? So upbringing, that's a great question. We were very careful to just pray certain things when we prayed. So mm. we kept God and prayer you know, we prayed before meals, we prayed before meetings that we would have, but we didn't pray day to day in life. It was not a connectedness to God. It was, and I think a lot of us as believers fall into this. It's when we wanted something, mm -hmm. when there was a request, then we thought, oh, I, I should pray about this. Rather than God desiring us, just like he created Adam and Eve to talk with him and walk with him in the garden, just like he continually draws us back into that relationship. That's what prayer is. It's us responding to a God who is speaking to us and reaching out to us. It's that development of intimacy, just like we do in any relationship. And so we were very structured in our prayer when mm. I was growing up, and it was only certain times and only certain reasons that we prayed. And so to see prayer completely different, the book of Acts, 29 times in 28 chapters, there's mention of prayer. And so the church was about praying, was about living out prayer in every aspect of, of the, the life of the church. And so that's the call to us to be that kind of prayer and, and person who is uh, turning away from prayer being getting something from God and uh, making prayer being part of my relationship with God. So as we're getting ready to open God's word on Sunday, yeah. is there a way that we can prepare? Is there something that we can read this week as we're preparing to listen to what you have to share to us and to open God's word together? So I'm going to talk at some point, and I really haven't finished my message yet, but <laughs> That's I, okay. I have, I'm going to talk at some point about the little phrase when one of the disciples comes to Jesus and says, Lord, teach us how to pray. Mm. And that very phrase is what I hope to develop because what that means is prayer is a learning experience. Mm -hmm. We don't arrive at prayer. It's not as if we say, okay, now I've got prayer figured out. 
it is that we are continually in the process of learning about prayer. And so, again, picture it like any relationship, any, any time that we are with a person and developing in that relationship. We want to talk to them and know them and enter into conversation with them and feel their heart. And so you ask a very simple question, and I've taken a long way to get there. <laughs> but um, what I would have you do then is just read through one of the Gospels and look at who Jesus is. Mm. If you're preparing, then look throughout Scripture at the times Jesus is in relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Start in the book of Mark and marvel when it says even the wind and the waves obey him and Mm -hmm. that he looks up at the paralytic coming down through the roof and says i see your faith and it says he saw their faith plural Mm -hmm. so he was marveling at the people who were holding the paralytic as well as the paralytic and just get to see jesus through that filter of he really wants to reach out to people and connect with people and that to me is the beginning of the spark of transferring our prayer life from getting from God and to being with God Yeah, as we see Jesus. It's all a process. And it's just like what you said, prayer was very formal. It was very much in a box for you growing Mm -hmm. up. And it's totally taken a 180 now. Exactly. It's just like what we talked about earlier. You're never too old to grow out of that discipleship process. You're, we're always learning. And it's something that we're going to continue to learn for the rest of our lives. Very and well said. Yes. We never, we never have yeah. to feel like we've arrived, mm-hmm. which I think gives a little bit of comfort. It's almost a relief yeah. because we don't ever feel like we're reaching for something that we can't grasp. Right. Exactly. I think the whole discipleship relationship we, we think sometimes, oh, I will arrive at a certain point and then I'll be able to evangelize or I'll arrive at a certain point. I'll be able to teach. But in fact, the disciples were sent out with very little information. Mm-hmm. And it was that that then stirred their hearts. Lord, why is it that we do this and something else happens that we didn't expect? Why, mm-hmm. why uh, don't our prayers get the answer that we want? And I think it's that learning experience with Jesus that he wants us to be in. It's that a discipling relationship that he longs for with us. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm really looking forward to digging into this more and thank you for giving us a way to prepare this week. Well, as we're as we're going in our own quiet time and and doing our own Bible study at home. So, well, to close, I just have a couple of different questions for you. Sure. Uh, the first one is what is your prayer for global ministry at Calvary Church? So, you gave me a little heads up on that one. I mm-hmm. had time to think about it. <laughs> My heart prayer is what Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 9, or what he told us to pray in chapter 9. It says very clearly, Jesus saw the people. He was moved with compassion. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And he turned to the disciples, and he could have said anything. You take care of these people. You help them. You go evangelize them. And Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into the harvest field. Hmm. The harvest is great. The workers are few. We need to pray. So my prayer for for Calvary is very simply, Lord, let's be that church. Let's be that people that really does truthfully pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into the harvest field and then be willing to be the answer to that prayer, however God works, whether it's to send and to give of our resources, to send of our children and grandchildren. 
to be the one that says, yes, Lord, here I am, send me, whatever it may be, pray that prayer and then be willing to see how God would have us answer that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that Mm. because that means we get to pray that with you. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) right. And I'm excited by that potential. That really is great. Yes, absolutely. All right. Final question. Why is prayer important to a life in pursuit of Christ? Well, I think we've talked about that already, but it's uh, my heart for prayer and for seeing people come to a deeper life of prayer is that they understand that it's not about the shopping list I bring to God Mm -hmm. to see him check off all the things that I've asked him to. It's not about me whacking up my faith enough so that I'm getting in close proximity to what God wants and aligning my will with his. And it's about being in relationship with God. Yeah. And he wants us to pray. He's longing for us to, to go through life talking with him and being connected to him. And that, if I could, if I could make that happen with my life or anyone's life so that I am so drawn to God that I'm talking with him through the day and, and it doesn't have to be now I lay me down to sleep time right. type of prayer, but just that I am with him and that I can walk into his presence and talk to him at any moment throughout my day. That's where I, I hope, pray, and desire for people to come into that kind of intimacy for me to be one of those people too, yeah. that I have that deep intimacy with God. Yeah. Amen. Well, David, thank you for allowing us to get to know you a little bit. I'm sure that we'll have more conversations as time goes on, but just appreciate your time and looking forward to Sunday morning. Well, thank you, Monica. I'm grateful to have been a part of this. Thank you. Like I told David, I'm really looking forward to this coming Sunday as he leads us through a biblical understanding of prayer. As David mentioned, a great way to prepare for this Sunday's message is by taking some time this week to read through one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and just observe the characteristics of Jesus. If you're interested in learning more about the global shift that's happening in missions that David talked about, we have both of the books that he shared in the show notes so you can go and check them out. As we continue in our Conversations with God series, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming episodes, including next week, where we'll be joined by Deb and John Roche. So we'll see you next Monday and have a great week.